Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 74. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm extremely excited to introduce a very special guest, Richard Adato. Richard, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I'm ready to roll. All right. Richard Adato is an expert on pre-World War II French aerodynamic cars. He's a resident of Seattle, Washington, and has written and co-authored numerous books, including From Passion to Perfection, Curves of Steel, The Art of Bugatti, Mullen Automotive Museum, and French Curves, Delahaye, Delage, Taubelago, Delage Style and Design, and Curves of Steel. And I'm happy to say I have several of these beautiful books in my library. He's worked on videos for the Discovery and History channels as a consultant and an on-air personality. Richard has judged in national car shows both here in America as well as abroad in the United Kingdom and France. He's been a judge at Pebble Beach Concord d'Elegance for more than 25 years and is on their selection committee. In the United Kingdom, he's a member of the Salon Privé Concours Selection Committee. So Richard, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you, so please take some time and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, I fell in love with cars when I was in college, and I just had to have a car. I saw English sports cars, and every, a lot of my friends had MGTCs and MGAs. But I thought they were not quite what I had in mind. So I wanted a Morgan, and one of my friends had a Morgan, and I bought a Morgan, and I restored it when I was a senior in college, and it, I drove it for the first couple of years. I started my own business right away as a commercial contractor in Seattle, Washington, and I kind of started thinking Italian, and I thought my Morgan was too slow, so a Maserati Sebring Series 2 came available. Oh, my. And uh, by then, you know, it was just a used car, and it was in 1973 and, or 74, and Seattle's economy was on its knees, and the car did not cost very much. And I drove that car for over 25 years and oh just my. enjoyed it. I mean, just, I can remember driving it around you know, as a young guy about town, unmarried, and dating, and you know, women had a real tough time. If you wanted to visit them, and you parked this Maserati in front of their house, everybody knew who was there. <laughs> so a couple of women I was dating would not allow me to drive that Maserati. I had to drive another car How when funny. I visited them. <laughs> That's great. Well, your passion for cars started pretty early as most of my guests here on Cars, yeah. And one of the things I like to do to continue this journey is to talk about a success quote. Have you share a success quote or a saying that's been really instrumental in forming your life and your success? 
It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah. So, Richard, take the wheel. Well, for me, I would say only drive and buy cars you love. Mm-hmm. Never buy a car for an investment that you don't like. And I personally don't buy cars for investment. I just buy cars that I'm really passionate about. Because if the price goes up or down and you have something you don't really like, it can be a burden and a big waste of time. I fell in love with French cars, and I always bought them, and I didn't care what the market was doing. I just was very happy with these cars, loved driving them. I liked putting that car in the garage and keeping it clean and nice or having it worked on, and it was like a silent partner. If if I had a bad day, I could get into that car and take it for a little spin and just put a big smile on my face. (laughs) I love that. I want to know how you've incorporated that concept, that success concept, into your life because you were in construction, which is a long way away from the automotive field. But later in your life, you've wrapped this automotive passion around a lot of different things that you've done, as I mentioned in your introduction. So how have you taken that passion for those vehicles and really engulfed it into your life and your world? Well, kind of started at the beginning of my passions. I mean, in college, you know, and the beginning of businessmen in Seattle, a lot of the rite of passage is competitive boat sailing. I was pretty competitive. I was on several boat crews. It all started like in 1979 for me when I was going to sail um, a big boat and be on a crew that was coming from Mexico to Seattle. So I flew to San Francisco and the boat left without me. Oh no! And it made me, yeah, it made me crazy. And I thought, I'm not going to do this ever again. I'm not going to just sail on a big boat as a crew person and not have control of the boat. And I can't afford to buy a 61 foot racing boat, so I'm going to buy a vintage race car and race it. <laughs> so as 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 it would happen, as luck would have it, provenance, whatever, I went to the International Auto Show in San Francisco, which happened to be that weekend. I saw a Delahaye at the show, and I went, wow, I have to have it. And I went up to the guy whose name is Jacques Cargindigui, who was a major French car collector in the Bay Area, and he told me that this Delahaye V12 Fagoni-bodied car was one of a kind, and if I wanted it, I could have it for a quarter of a million dollars. And I said, out of my price range, and he said, I know of a Delahaye for sale today that you can probably buy. It was owned by a very wealthy commodities trader. He had just married a woman who was kind of cranky, and she'd bought a brand new BMW and wanted something to be pushed out of the driveway. <laughs> a Delahaye. Garage. <laughs> so the guy has a house in the Marina District of San Francisco, and to give you a scale of the house, Underneath the house was a 17-car garage. Oh, my goodness. So it was a big home. And he asked me how much I had to spend. I told him I had $8,500 in the bank. And I only believe in buying cars when you can pay cash for them. I don't believe in borrowing money for a car. Good for you. And that would be advice I would give to everybody. If you can't write a check for it, don't buy it. Yep. Mm -hmm. So his wife... Smiles, and he started to yell, saying, "That's outrageous!" And I'm not going to tell you anything for that. It's crazy. And his wife said, "Honey, 
you make millions of dollars a year. What's the difference whether he pays you 8000 or thirty? Does it really make a difference to anything? Okay, now where does this guy live and what's his wife's name? Because I need to go talk to him. <laughs> nope, I can't give you his last name because he's well known. All right. <laughs> and he's gone through a couple of other wives too, so he's worth less than he used to be. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, he turns to her and says, it makes no difference whether I make eight thirty or 50 And she goes, okay, which car do you want? And then he went, wait, wait. You can have this Delahaye for $8,000. And I bought it right oh then and there. gosh. Oh, what a wonderful story. That's like one of those barn find stories where the guy doesn't know what he has in his barn and lets you just take it off his hands. Wow, what a great story. Well, I love that, and we love stories here, so uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Would you share another story with us that instigated your passion for cars? We'd love to hear about that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. Well, I guess when I first, you know, was in my senior year of college, and I, I saw this English sports car, and it wasn't running, and the right wheel was pulled off of it because someone had run it through a ditch. I knew I could fix this car. I was, you know, kind of a carpenter. My work-study job in college was, you know, carpenter. And I thought, this car is made out of, has a wood frame. I can fix it. <laughs> and I'm a kind of a fixer kind of a guy. So I figured if I don't know anything, I'll just read it in a book or get someone to help me. And I, it just got the feeling of working on it and completing that car and then painting it. Not, I had it painted, but assembling the thing and just driving it. I just got into my blood of restoration and the process. It was like undressing and dressing a piece of machinery that really made me pretty happy. Oh, that's fantastic. So, Richard, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty and ask you to share a moment when you had a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced that really pushed you to a breaking point. But much more important, how did you overcome that situation and what did you learn from it? Well, I've written, I'd written a couple of books on Delahaye and Delage and General Motors was asking about helping them do a book on the history of General Motors. And we were friends with Bob Lutz, who I'd met at Pebble Beach, and a couple of other big GM executives at the time. And I undertook, you know, to do this book on General Motors with Michael Furman at Coach Bell Press. Mm -hmm. And we thought, wow, we'll make all this money by putting up the money for this book ourselves General Motors has promised to buy it. It's all good. We're going to make a, a lot of money. And I thought, and we're going to do a great project. And so we thought, oh, we'll print 6,000 copies of this book. And just as we started to ship the book out, General Motors went bankrupt. Oh, no. <laughs> and the promised order didn't come. And we were stuck with 6,000 books, and we'd each put up $100,000. Oh, my goodness. And we went, uh-oh. Yeah. And we, you know, we're still sitting on 4,000 copies of this book, or 3,500 copies of this book. We'll never break even. And it's just how much, you know, at the time, you know, GM went bankrupt, but they never took delivery of the books, fortunately. They called us up and said, don't send them. We're going to go bankrupt. Well, that was nice. It was nice of them to, for them to say that, but 
we at that time had both, you know, our businesses were relatively successful, but writing a check for a hundred thousand dollars and going, uh oh, it's a lot it of money. Like, it was a, it was a lot of money. We lost like two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars between us, and then we went, uh oh, what do we do? And all we could do was write a more successful book, and <laughs> that's what we ended up doing. Wow. And okay. It was just kind of, it was like that's all we could do, and. My, you know, my only advice is when you go off on an adventure, like this was, the book was critically acclaimed and everybody who bought a copy loved it. And maybe in my lifetime, we might sell enough books to break even, but I don't know. Do you still have copies of that book? I still do. You still do. Still do. All right. Well, at the end here, we'll we'll give some people some direction on where they can go. And uh, hopefully some listeners here at Cars Yeah will We'll order that book. I've seen the book. It's fantastic, and it would make a great gift for any automotive enthusiast. So, Richard, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Share a story with our listeners when you had a real aha moment in your career or your business, a time when you realized that, you know what, I think this idea, this concept has some merit, and it's really going to make it. And then tell us what steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, one of my car aha moments was I bought my first car, my first real collector car, a Delahaye, and um, it was supposed to be a 1937 Delahaye, but after doing research, I discovered it was actually a 1946 Delahaye. Oh, my gosh. And I went, yeah, no one knew. Very few people knew anything about Delahaye's at that point. And this was like a, made as a gentleman's race car with an English body, and I looked at this thing and I thought, I'm going to race this car at Monterey. And so I fixed it up in 1978, early 79, and went to vintage race the car. I'd never raced a car in my life, but I was confident after my sailboat racing days, I could race anything. (laughs) And I had got some, I know, kind of wacko, but there we go. And I took a couple, you know, practice runs at SIR and a couple one of my friends coached me, and I got to Monterey, and I took a driving lesson from Dick Smith, a Corvette guy. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, it was a couple of days before the Monterey Historics, and then Phil Hill was there, and he kind of was giving me some coaching lessons, and he said, Richard, this car is pretty fast, and you're driving it very aggressively. You should do well. He goes, my biggest tip to you is don't try to win. Just follow the lead cars and wait till they all break down. Then you might win. <laughs> just follow me. I'm, I'm driving a one-and-a-half-liter Maserati race car, but it's a customer car, and who knows? I took his advice. All I did was follow Phil Hill till he broke, and the next car broke in front of me, and then I was racing for first. Oh, my and the car in front, And the car in front of me was, you know, a factory-prepared BMW Veritas. Mm-hmm. And so I tried as hard as I could, but I could not catch the Veritas. And I pretended the car wasn't my own. Like in sailboat racing, when I came up to the mark and we turned, tacked, if somebody was in our way, we'd hit them, as long as we didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. And, and in racing, I just came up to the turn, drifted right through it, and everyone went, whoa, okay, and they left me alone. Oh, my and gosh. <laughs> what a wonderful story. There were 30 cars in that class, and I came in second, and I was totally hooked. Oh, yeah, I would think you would be. And what a great story, too, that you got advice from Phil Hill. Follow me until I break. (laughs) I couldn't have been any better. 
Oh my gosh, what a great story. And, and on that track too, because that's just such a fun track to drive on. Wow. Well, you may have already answered this next question. I was going to ask you, we're, we're going to have a little fun with this. What was your first really special car? And share with us a memory, a special memory you had with that vehicle. Okay, well, my first real car that I really wanted to own was another Delahaye. And I I think it was in 1982, I went to the Scottsdale auction with a friend, another car collector from Seattle, and I saw a Delahaye being offered up. And the, the auction number wasn't very good for this car. It was like late in the afternoon or night. I can't. I think it was at night. And at that point, the Barrett-Jackson auction was not a big deal. And it was cold out there, and this car was just a gorgeous little French car, and I had to have it. But not many people bid on it, and it wasn't making its reserve. And the car got up to $17,500 installed, and I was installed on my bid, fortunately. And I waited kind of breathless. And Brooks Stevens, this car designer who you know, worked on Studebaker and cornflakes boxes and everything else, owned the car. And he was standing there next to me. He walked up to me and said, wow, can't you bid any more? And I said, no, it's all I can afford. It's all I can write a check for. And he looks at me and he goes, okay, I'll take the reserve off. Uh-huh. I, went, I was going, whoa. So I bought this car. And then I was totally hooked on Pebble Beach. I'd been there, and I thought, I'll show this car at Pebble Beach. And so I, I bought the car, shipped it home, and we started working on it. It took us two years, and I came in first in class in this car. Oh, wonderful. Congratulations. What, you know, you're in the right place at the right time. It seems like an awful lot in your life, between being in San Francisco and the, the show and then this other, the other car you got there and then this one. What <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> Well, it's not a fantasy. I'd, I'd like to encourage everybody to put themselves in the right place mm, at yes. the right times. I mean, part of this is your positive attitude and your ability to be open for what you want. Yep. Great advice. Wonderful advice. That's what I did. And, you know, I went to Pebble Beach with this car. And, you know, it was 1985. It was Pebble Beach was just being revived in 1972. And I had done all this research on Delahaye, and I really, you know, worked my heart out on, on learning about all these cars and designers and everything else. And I was going to Paris and buying parts at Retromobile, actually. Ah, okay. And I've been going to Retromobile since the 80s. So, you know, I, I just had really a lot of confidence about this. Sure. And I went for it. And I, I guess I could tell you one more story about this car that's classic. Yes, classic please Richard. do. I decided to sell the car, and I was going to get something faster and better. And so Ken Baring called me up, who used to own the Seahawks, and said, oh, I like that car of yours. How much do you want for it? And I paid seventeen, and I put money into it. So I told him $90,000. And he went, oh, no way. And I went, okay. And then I waited. And about a year later, he called me back and said, well, how much do you want? I'll buy that car for ninety. And I said, oh, no, no. Now it's 150. <laughs> he just yelled over the telephone and had a courier come over here with a check for 150. <laughs> I saw where you were going with that. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, he knows an investment when he sees one. <laughs> I love he that. Does. 
Well, seller's remorse, is there a vehicle that you've let go since you just talked about one that you sold to Ken that you really wish you could have back? Well, yeah. I mean, I I went through a Ferrari phase and I really let go of a few Ferraris. I'm really sad to, to you know, let go. Mm-hmm. I ended up buying another, you know, another Delahaye, and I could have bought a Tour de France or a Delahaye, and I bought a Delahaye, and I made the offer on the Tour de France. It was accepted, and I didn't buy it. And I bought the Delahaye instead, and I went, oh <laughs> no! And I bought a bunch of 250 GTEs and went through those, and I never kept one of them. So I kind of, I regret the Ferraris I I owned and or didn't buy. Yeah. Well, you know what? At the time, that was the right thing to do, and that's all you can say about that. It's uh, tough to look back. Here's a funny question for you, Richard. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I think if I was a car, I would want to be like a French Talbot Lago uh, with a teardrop body. Mm. I feel like... Style and design is in my blood, and that car, to me, is the most stylish car that has ever existed. They are absolutely stunning. I mean, they just look like big jewelry. They're just... And for for listeners who have not seen a teardrop-style car, you've got to go... You can go to, uh, I believe, like the Mullen Museum website, and you can see pictures of these vehicles. You can go to Michael Furman, who's been a guest on Cars Yeah! here, and look at some of the cars he's taken pictures of, or go to Richard's site and see pictures in some of the books that he's published. They are exquisite cars. Great choice, my friend. (laughs) That would be wonderful. So here we are at the last lap. You know what that means since you've been on the racetrack. The white flag is out, and we're nearing the end of our race here. This is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Just buy a car that you love. And write a check for it, <laughs> right? And, and, that you can, and that you can write a check for. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that is great advice. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I always research the car I buy. I research the buildings I buy. I think that you need to think about what you do and personally get involved with it. Mm, great when you advice. Take other people's, when you take other people's advice, it, it's sometimes secondhand information. You need to be personally involved. Ah, great advice. Spectacular. Do you have a resource that you would share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Maybe it's a website that you go to often? I would say, like, if you're interested in cars, Watkins Glen has a good library. Mm. Uh, the Detroit Public Library is fabulous. The Ford Museum, great library, and you can pay a small research fee at all those places, and they will help you with your research. Ah, very unique, very unique resource you've shared there. I was going to say the National Museum in Reno is also has a very nice library, and that would be another one for me to recommend in America. Oh, fantastic. Is there a book that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Yeah, I'm working on a new book on the history of Fagonian Falashi, and I'm very excited about that. I hope to have it come out this coming August or August for Pebble Beach, and it's kind of it'll be the chronology of the Fagoni Company from 1923 to 
until its its end in, 19, in the 1950s. Oh, sounds fantastic. And I'll remind our listeners that you can find the links and sources for everything that Richard shared with us today at carsyeah.com slash Richard Adato. And his last name is A-D-A-T-T-O. Richard, do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Well, I like wine, and I I research wine almost as much as I research cars. Mm. I'm passionate about vineyards, and I love going to Walla Walla, and I like going to Napa, and I love going to France and just eating my and drinking my way through my <laughs> vacation. This sounds fantastic. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, uh, Richard, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, and this is something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, and money's no object, I'm going to buy you whatever you want, what would that one car be and why? I would probably go back to the teardrop Talbot Lago, 1937 Paris, you know, auto show car. Mm-hmm. To me, it's the highest thinking and styling of design. It's the most balanced car. It was a basic race car that had Grand Prix history with a Fagoni swoopy body on it. The car would go 100 miles an hour, and it looked like it was going down the road, whether it was going 100 or stopped. Mm. The Concorde winning ability of that car in the period was unbelievable. It won almost every time it went out there. They made about 14 of these. And the one that I really would like to have is the one in Bill Marriott's garage. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe you'll find that perfect timing with Bill when he's ready to let that car go and you'll be standing there. And it can be yours one day. I sure hope so. The smile will be never ending. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Well, Richard, you've taken us on a great ride today. And I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today and share your journey with our listeners. Could you offer one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Talbo Lago? Well, I'd say experience as many different cars as you can. Drive and ride in as many cars as you can. And never be ashamed or afraid to ask a person for a ride. Mm. I don't. I mean, I ask all sorts of people to, you know, drive their cars or ride in them and I'm very seldomly turned down. The last time I wanted to drive a McLaren, I just asked the guy if I could drive the car, and he said, sure, Richard, and handed me the keys, and I'd off into the sunset in the McLaren F1. (laughs) And, you know, it was a fast car. It was pouring rain when this happened. And he he said, it's a car. It gets wet. Don't worry about it. Just drive. And the idea is, you know, take that moment, turn off the radio, turn off your cell phone and just experience the power, the balance, and the feeling that the wheel gives you. Listen to the sound of that exhaust and and relax into it. Well, that's wonderful advice, and I took that advice. I did that once long ago. I was at the Cavallino Classic and told a guy, I've always loved the 250 short wheelbase Ferrari, and he did the same thing. I couldn't believe it. Tossed me the keys and said, let's go for a ride. And, uh, oh my goodness. That was a spectacular. So, yep, sometimes if you just ask, you will get what you want. If I'd known that in high school, I'd had a lot more dates. I believe that you should ask for what you want to. <laughs> and you make your own luck and your own 
you know, growth. And the only way to do it is by asking for what you want. And it's like what I did today, Richard. I reached out to you and asked you to be a guest on Cars Yeah, and you said yes, and I'm extremely grateful for it. Could you let our listeners know what's the best way for them to learn more about Richard Adato and what you're doing with your books? Perhaps share your website, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, well, I have a website, adatoauto.com, you know, A-D-A-T-T-O-A-U-T-O.com. You can see some reviews of books and some pictures I've got up there. Or you can go to coachbuiltpress.com, Michael Furman's site, where all my books are up there. And as I mentioned, we had Michael on the show last week, and we'll make sure that we post a link to the website for Adato Auto. I love saying that, Adato Auto. And that way our listeners can find you and find your books. And I would encourage you to go there. And if you have a a friend or family member who's an automotive enthusiast, these make wonderful lifetime gifts that people will have on their coffee table and their library forever and ever because they're just absolutely spectacular. Thank you, Richard, for being so generous with your time today and your expertise and sharing some wonderful stories with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. It was great fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.